Welcome to the show. Uh, coming up, we have Jim Babjack. He is the guitarist and founding member of the Smithereens. The band has a new album out called The Lost Album that was recorded in 1993 when they were between record labels. Lots of great songs and has that 90s nostalgic feel. I think you're going to enjoy that album. Plus, we're going to talk about the old days, getting songs on soundtracks, the record business, uh, a super fan that was Kurt Cobain from Nirvana. Uh, and plus, they have more new music coming out and so much more that we're going to talk about coming right up. Wow. So is this your like uh, study or office or? This used to be a living room and now it's uh, uh, my late wife. Uh, she um, said, let's make it into a library. So it's a library and uh, I play vinyl records in here. So all that's in here is it's just for reading and for listening to vinyl. Wow. It's just so many books. Like my, my dad's really into books too. I try to read like some and I, uh, it's, it's well, having the podcast forces me to read if I have a guest on who's written a book. But have you read all those books behind you? <laughs> that that's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. I, you know, I try to read through. You know, I try to read whenever I can. But geez, I get the New York Times on the weekend, and I could barely make it through that. You know, I just, you know, I have so many things to do, and um, you know, if I can get. I'm happy if I can get one or two articles in on, on a Saturday or Sunday morning. And I'm happy if I can get that in. So was your wife more the reader then? Oh, she was. Yeah. Oh. She was vivacious. Yeah. When you do have a chance, what, what uh, kinds of books would you want to read? I like uh, biographies, autobiographies. Um, she was more into uh, like Stephen King and, and stuff like that. But um uh, so yeah. And I, of course I have a lot of music books on, on, yeah. you know, band, the who, the kinks, the Beatles, all that stuff. Yeah. I find that stuff really fascinating. I love people's story. I mean, that's why I do the podcast. I love hearing the stories of people, yeah. you know, the journeys, how they, uh, obviously your guys' journey is really interesting too. Of course. Life is a journey. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> So tell me about this new album. It's called The Lost Album. I mean, it's aptly titled because it was basically lost for however many years, since 94. Is that when it was recorded? 93. Yeah, 93. we were in between labels. Um, Capital, uh, well, grunge was was in its stride at the time, and, and there was a new president of Capital Records that decided um, <laughs> to change things around. So anyway being that we're survivors, the Smithereens have always been survivors. You know, we, for the first six years that we got together with Pat, uh, you know, we, it, it took a while for us to get a record deal. So what happened here was uh, we decided to go into the studio and record everything we have and uh, see what we come up with and maybe put it out independently. Like we did our first two records in the eighties. And, um, as, and then we got signed to RCA in 94. So we took half those recordings and re-recorded them. Because these were like really good demos is what, what they were uh, at these sessions. So the other half that was left over uh, was just kind of sitting sitting there on a, on a dat. And we kind of moved on, recorded other records and toured. And it was truly forgotten. 
and lost. And then after Pat passed away, we started looking back at our uh, catalog of things. And we thought, you know, this is something that our fans would, would love to hear because I love hearing it. Pat's voice was youthful. Um, you know, we were coming up with different material. So here, there it is. It's just there, you know, and it might, it might as well be heard, you know. So half of these songs then were on that. Was it the uh, a date with the Smithereens? Not of these. There was two albums worth of material. So, uh, so none of I these. Mean, these are all totally unreleased. Yes. Okay. Well, Pat re-recorded two of the songs for his first solo record, or and um, but other than that, no, uh, it's it's pretty much new uh, to. To, to our fans and people. Interesting. So you, why do you, why do you think you guys waited so long? I mean, that seems like a long time to hold on to that. I mean, that many songs. There's more. Oh, there's, more. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff we haven't released. Uh, Cause it wasn't the right time. And uh, you know, you got to look at the, the time period too. Rec we record labels didn't want, they didn't want us, <laughs> you know, that's interesting. Yeah. Because you guys, I mean, weren't you kind of considered alternative, which was the cool thing at the time in the nineties, even though you started in the eighties, you weren't like an eighties. You didn't weren't like synth pop or anything. No, we never followed that trend. We never followed any trends. It was just bad luck, I suppose, and bad management. And, um, you know, uh, and then time just kept moving on and, you know, we just did whatever we had to, to survive. Uh, and, um, we kept touring and uh, that's it. You know, that's pretty much it. I have, I have two solo albums worth of material that I haven't released because, well, I'll tell you one thing. I mean, I, I, I was raising three kids. Um, I ended up getting a day job in 2001 uh, up until last year. So I had to juggle the day job, raise a family you know, and um, I just got out. My, my job got outsourced to India during COVID. So that actually gave me more time to uh, keep working on new material and finding these things. Because my day job took up a lot of time. I would get up at 530 in the morning. I, my commute was about three hours a day back and forth. I'd get home 730 at night. So Luckily, I was able to tour. I had six weeks vacation. Uh, I could use that to tour. And, um, uh, you know, like that. I just, you know, we recorded, I think, seven albums while I was working during the day. Didn't and, you have uh, to, like, uh, get in trouble? You almost got in trouble one time, though, because you had, you had an offer to tour with Tom Petty. And you're like, oh, you heard oh. that's pretty crazy. I went above my boss's head and I said, look, I can't, I can't miss this opportunity. You know, yeah. we were playing hockey arenas. <laughs> it was you know, crazy. So I almost got fired for going above my boss's head because my boss's boss was sympathetic to me and my situation. So uh, uh, that was one hurdle I got over and I'm glad we did it because how many chances do you get to open for somebody like Tom Petty? Right. It's just interesting that, yeah, it's like, it seems like there's some, there's a gap there between, you know, Tom Petty, like you'd think that would be enough 
to carry you, but that was just a one-time thing. And then it wasn't enough to have the full-time make it a full-time position with the smithereens at that time. Right. Well, I needed the health insurance for my kids and uh, just a steady paycheck because, our, you know, the gigs we did were, you know, maybe three or four a month at best and uh, on weekends. So, yeah, I was tired most of the time. I would take flights in back home from like L.A. or whatever, do three shows Friday, Saturday, Sunday, take the red eye go into the parking lot at work, change my clothes and go to work as if nothing happened. And for a long time, people didn't know I was a musician until one day somebody Googled or, you know, found out. But even then it didn't matter because, um, you know, that, like my boss, she never heard of Tom Petty. So that, that's what scared me. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, I insulated in this world. It, it was in, in the banking industry and, you know, these people didn't listen to music. And and uh, I worked with people from uh, China, Trinidad, Japan. Uh, you know, it was just people working in, in the industry. And I was just in a cubicle doing my job and I kept quiet. I even had a sign on my uh, my computer that I wrote to myself, a note saying, don't be yourself at work. Uh, one of them was funny. I, I had a note to myself saying, suck it up, cupcake. <laughs> wow because I, I didn't want to talk about what i did you know uh which is my my life you know that was just a job to 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 get by did you kind of want a break from the music industry is that why you did something totally different because you could have you probably could have found something a producer job or some sort of job in the music industry no no i tried uh when you know i tried to i tried that I tried everything. And the only reason I got this job is because my neighbor living across the street was the senior VP of this company. And he was in the World Trade Center when it was hit. He was on the 46th floor. He made it out alive. And How, uh, How did he get out? He walked down this 46 flights of stairs before the building collapsed. And wow. He was walking his dog in October. That's actually when I got this job. It was a month after 9-11. And I was joking to him. I said, you know, I, I think, you know, I should get a job because, uh, you know, there aren't that many shows and gigs. And uh, he said, you know, I got something for you. Uh, and I said, wait a minute. I don't know anything about banking. He says, don't worry about it. You'll learn. So I started filing and all this stuff. And then he gave me a position and I, I kind of stayed there uh, and kept my, uh, kept my ass low to the ground, hmm. you know, kind of quiet about it. Just did my job, went home and did what I had to do. So the only reason I got that job, I had a fake resume, you know, uh, it was just, just some bullshit <laughs> just to get in. Cause it, you didn't play you know, guitarist for the smithereens and. No, oh, it has nothing to, nothing to do with that. He, um, you know, uh, it was just, he knew I'd be a good worker and that's all, all I needed. He needed to know, uh, cause he knew me for a few years at that point. Um, I were, I moved here in 1993. So, um, yeah, that's it. I mean, it's all who, you know, in life, uh, to give you a break, you know, Is I call it. The, yeah. No, I was just wondering, because, you know, you had the sign that said, 
don't be yourself at work. Like I had a job like that for 17 years, believe it or not, I was a guidance counselor. And it, to me, it just felt like, I think I was kind of the same way where I was like, I couldn't be myself. And eventually that kind of sucked my soul. Did you have that kind of thing going on where you just felt like it was a soul sucking thing? Or was it a thing where you could just do your work and everybody left you alone and then you just leave and then it, you could be yourself? It was totally soul sucking. I, I, if I had, <laughs> if I had to just do that for a living, I, I don't know, man. I, well, that's why I had that sign, suck it up cupcake, because I'm there for a purpose. I'm yeah. uh, providing for my family. And uh, I just had to do what I had to do, you know. Uh, and in the meantime, like I said, I recorded all that solo material, recorded mm-hmm. albums for the Smithereens, toured. So I did everything all under that, that. But I think what made it work was I did have some good coworkers you know, uh, that were really, really nice. And, um, they helped me out when I needed help with some computer stuff that I didn't get. And, uh, yeah, there were some people there that I was grateful for and I still keep in touch with them. So when they downsized me, they gave me a, a year's severance and a year's health insurance. And, um, so that all worked out cause I'm going on Medicare and I'm turning 65 in two months. So I'll have the health insurance taken care of and uh, move on you know uh, it's the uh, continuation of life you know yeah you so keep, now keep you can moving. just focus on music full-time absolutely and and coffee <laughs> <laughs> what what i started a coffee company five oh. years ago and okay. uh it's called bab jack's coffee with an x and uh what i was going to do back then after my wife passed away I was going to open up a cafe coffee shop that sold vinyl records. I thought it might be a cool thing to do because oh, I used cool. to own a records a store in, in from 1980 to 1988. And um, I sold that, you know, cause we were on tour with the second album, green thoughts. And I just, you know, couldn't deal with, with owning a business at the time. And, uh, but then I gave that, that up and, and now I'm, um, so I started it five years ago, but I've just started selling it online two months ago. It took that long for me to get everything together. So anyway, it's, it's a side hustle that I have and I, I love coffee. So, you Is know, that a pretty easy thing to start up. It seems like everybody's, a lot of musicians have either a hot sauce or a coffee. <laughs> That's funny. No, I have a friend who's a roaster <clears throat> for a long time and we were joking around one day and i said can you infuse bourbon into um coffee and see what that tastes like and we actually tried that and but anyway he's got one infused with rum called highland grog i call it highland grog that's really good so that's what started it i said you know what i should probably bag this and and and, and sell it so I, right now i just have a morning blend uh, um a dark roast and that and then we're going to expand to decaf and whole bean and all that but you know it's just a fun project so if it's infused with the alcohol it doesn't doesn't get you drunk though right or it no okay. it's just the flavoring okay. i don't even know i don't know how they do it i mean there's professionals that do that i don't yeah. actually pick the beans myself i don't go down to <laughs> south america yeah <laughs> yeah i've heard they work under harsh conditions i don't know well uh, apparently not where i get it from Oh, that's good. I did did ask about that. That's yeah, that is like a, that's like a thing. Like there's so many things like that, that we don't know 
anything about that it's like these things that people kind of just don't like wink wink we don't talk about that like how your iphone was built and your nike shoes and oh we just don't talk about that but everybody owns those things so I don't know, that's think- true that's true and you know um uh, yeah <laughs> there you go these sorry things- it just t- took a dark turn on this interview <laughs> we sure did let's get out of here Let's get out. Let's go back to the album. So the last album, uh, the new song, the first single, which is out now, I believe, is called Out of This World. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you can tell listening to this album. It's like it's almost I, I don't I hope this isn't offensive, but it's like it's in a way to me, it's like nostalgic because it sounds like the 90s. Like if you like that 90s sound, I mean, it's like it's it takes you right back there. It kind of made me think like some of the songs like uh, Dear Abby. I mean, I feel like that could have been on a soundtrack to like a 90s rom-com or something. Yeah. Yeah, true, true. Uh, I it, it's it's really I, I don't know how to describe it. It's a time capsule of what we sounded yeah. like then, and um, you know, and and now I'm I'm working on songs with Robin Wilson from Gin Blossoms and Marshall Crenshaw, and we're hoping to put out a new original album maybe next year of brand new material. So we've been working on that. I started during COVID working on songs with them and um it's gonna be a gas you know it's gonna be great that's really cool yeah i had robin on the show a long time but he's from uh, arizona here where i reside now and uh he's so talented we saw the gin blossoms in vegas they still sound great and so i think you guys are coming to tempe in uh, next month or something so and that'll be with robin yeah october 21st yeah 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 and my parents live in arizona so that'll be it'll be good to see them yeah, good time to visit in October. So some of the shows are with Robin and some with Marshall. So then if you're saying if you do the album, it'll be the same, like half and half? Well, yeah, sort of half and half. Depends on who gets what or who wants to be involved with which songs. But I've already got like six with uh, Robin. So, uh, you know, and we're working with Marshall on a couple of songs. Okay. So it'll cool. be good. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm writing so much now that I, I I could safely say there's probably two albums worth of material. So it's kind of scary because what do you do? You pick the best ones or what you think is the best ones for the first album and or save some for the second album. I, I don't I'm not a good judge of that, because even when our first album came out, I didn't know Blood and Roses would would do what it did. We had we had no idea. You know, so as an artist or a creator, you actually don't know what's going to work. You know, it's 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 tricky. Yeah, that's interesting. So the blood, blood and roses. That song, um, I didn't realize that song was about uh, a go- a girl that took her own life. Is that what happened? Is that what it was about? Con- contemplating suicide. Yeah. Contemplating. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a catchy that's a catchy little tune though. I thought so at the time, but it was just an album cut, and you know. But here's where fate and luck and all that, the stars were aligned. It ended up in a movie uh, and then in the end credits. And then MTV, they had a video for the movie. And then after the movie ran its course, they edited out the movie scenes and, and left us in there. And it just snowballed. And um, it's just luck. That's all it is. You yeah, you be, guys- yeah. No, I was just going to say the movie thing, like you guys have had a lot of uh, cool soundtrack appearances, like the Miami Vice show and then Bull Durham and Backdraft and 
and see no man. And uh, tell the story though, about the, a girl like you originally was supposed to be in a Cameron Crow or say anything, the Cameron Crow movie. And uh, then it didn't happen because the song gave away too much of the plot. Is that the story? Yeah. Pat got the script for the movie from, from Cameron and, um, uh, yeah, I'll say anything, right? It's from the from the movie, but yeah, he, he did follow the script in 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 the lyrics to the song, and 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 Cameron didn't want that, so he loved the song, but he couldn't use it. So ultimately, it just uh, didn't make the cut. So, but I'm I'm kind of glad because it was a hit single for us. Yeah, it went on to success anyway. So it didn't, it's interesting that he wouldn't maybe do it. A different use a different song from you guys or something no i think they pretty much had the rest of that stuff and and the funny thing is our manager at the time was uh also madonna's manager mm-hmm. freddie demand and um madonna was slated to sing the the female vocal on that but uh, she backed out at the last that day that she was supposed to come in for whatever reason, she backed out. I, I don't know the true story. I heard that she had a fight with Warren Beatty that morning, but I think that's a bunch of bullshit. Hmm. Um, she just probably didn't, you know, want to be involved with us. I don't know, but we thought it'd be kind of strange because uh, it was so left field, and we we like to throw curveballs at people. So, you know, we, you know, that would have been interesting to have Madonna on on one of our songs, being that we were total opposites. We were you know, alternative and she was top 40. Right. Well, yeah, because you've had some uh, good uh, guests, Lou Reed, Susan Vega, Belinda Carlisle. I mean, those are all big names. Well, Lou Reed. Yeah. That, that was, that was really special. That's uh, you get a lot of street cred with that one. Well, yeah. And speaking of street cred, I just read this today when I was looking at the PR release, it said Kurt Cobain was a big fan of you guys and influenced by you. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We, we did a Christmas single with Butch. Butch Vig was supposed to produce our next album for Capitol back in 1993, but right. but because we got dropped from Capitol, he didn't end up working with us. But we did uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, a promo single for Capitol, one of the last things we did for them before they dropped us. And Butch Vig produced it, and he was telling us how, when they were recording Nevermind, uh, they were A-being the, my guitar sound, trying to get trying to get my guitar sound which i thought was was pretty cool i never heard that before and then i heard stories from everybody else saying that uh, oh kirk cobain couldn't stop talking about us and then it's in his book that we were a big influence he loved the first couple albums i wish i got to meet him you know but uh that never never happened um also i found out that don dixon the producer of our first two albums kirk cobain approached him to produce Nevermind. And Don Dixon still kicks himself in the ass for declining. Right. Oh my God. Wow. Can you imagine it would have made him a millionaire overnight. Wow. And, uh, yeah. Funny. Why how. did he decline it? He just didn't think it had, did he listen to it even or? I, I don't know the details, but I guess he was either too busy or whatever. Well, he, he declined with us too uh, at first. But we, he was doing a show at Folk City, an acoustic show, and we kind of just all showed up and said, you have to, you have to produce our next record. You know, we just went there 
and and showed up at the gig and and uh kind of forced them to um work with us why did you guys pick him what what is there something else that he had done that you were a fan of or well he was an engineer on uh the first two rem records ah and uh we liked his solo stuff and uh from what we read, he was a he was a very nice person, great to work with. So, and it turned out to be true. He's uh, we'll probably use him again for this next album. And uh, we did work with him on the 2011 album again. And uh, Gin Blossoms did an album with him. Marshall Crenshaw did an album with him. So we all know him, and um, I think he's a perfect fit. Hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. So the story, the story of you guys getting signed is really interesting too. How it took six years, and then wasn't it somebody? It's kind of like you said earlier, like it's who you know. This is like somebody kind of went to bat for you that had heard you either it was either from college radio or or saw you live, and said we should sign these guys, and that's what it took. Because you had you had already sent out your demos and everything to every record label, and everyone turned you down. I have a stack of rejection letters. Um, I, I see recently on YouTube people are posting like you two posted their rejection letter from, I don't know what label. And so people are doing that, but yeah, we, <laughs> we got rejected by everybody. And there was a, uh, a former college DJ that heard one of our independent records from 1983 that was working for Enigma records, the initial rec record company that signed us for the first album. Uh, out of a box of hundreds of tapes, he saw our name and, thought he would listen to it and on that tape that we sent to everybody was blood and roses and behind the wall sleep the what what you're hearing pretty much now is what was rejected our first two singles that went through the roof so hmm. you know you hear stories about these record company people that just they you know they didn't see it as being uh anything it's, but yeah, it's so like fast. I told you earlier, I didn't know Blood and Roses was going to be, you know, what it what it was. Right. It's so interesting to it's so hard to predict what people are going to like and why. And like you said, the maybe the Blood and Roses, maybe it was because of that uh, movie that it was in or whatever. It's like you just never know. Maybe it's a commercial that somebody hears the song the song to, and there's all sorts of weird things like that. Where uh, what was it? Lizzo's song that was like. She had put it out, nobody cared, and then it was in some Netflix movie, and then it just took off after that. It was just totally random. It's the power of the media and mass marketing and or whatever, you know. It's, yeah. And it's snowball. It yeah. That's a big piece of it is how it's marketed. It doesn't necessarily, maybe not necessarily movie or TV or commercials, but somehow they've got to market it to, so that people find it. But you guys have so many fans that are like the Kurt Cobains and – Tom Petty, you know, he personally wanted you guys on the tour. And then uh, was Bruce Spring Springsteen also a fan too, I heard? I met him. Well, we, we did a, a benefit for 9-11 victims here. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we did a show with him for two days. I saw him at the airport a couple of years ago. We were in the, the, the lounges before you go, go on the plane. And, you know, we, we talked for about an hour and a half about family and just careers and, and stuff. And uh, I wouldn't say we're friends, you know, more acquaintances. We've, we've mm -hmm. worked together before, but um, and he doesn't live that far from me, but he, he never calls. <laughs> <laughs> 
Is he pretty down to earth though? Like, do you, is there some sort of magic quality you see with him or does he just seem like a regular guy who just is very successful? He tries very hard to be a regular guy. Like he'll, he'll go to his local gym or, or just pop up in a bar or something and have some beers with people. And, um, you know, he, he tries to be a regular guy, you know, uh, but he's not obviously. <laughs> and, and if you yeah. go to his, he's probably got 24 seven security at his house. Um, so, you know, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. Do you, you know that you were able to have this job and nobody recognized you, but there has to be times where you're at the airport or, uh, at a show or somewhere, a coffee, having coffee and people recognize you. Does that happen? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not, not like on that level. No, 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 no. Nobody's on that level. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. It occasionally happens. And then, uh, there was a time where I was really depressed about working my day job and, and somebody recognized me at the airport one time. And I said, yeah, it's great to be uh, considered one of the greatest underrated bands and or some shit like that. I was, I was being an asshole. <laughs> no, but that is cool. I mean, it's just sad though, that you had to get a day job, like, cause you're so talented. It seems like that's your gift in this world is music. And I am glad that now you can focus on it fully again, because it seems like it's such a waste for you to be working at a bank. You should definitely be doing something with music. Yeah, I feel that way too. <laughs> Just the way, the harsh reality of the music business is what I, what I've learned from doing these interviews. Yeah. 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 A lot of people don't own it. It was better to keep it quiet, you know, for, for a while, but you know, I guess now I could talk about it because you know, you, you, when you meet people, they think you're, you're a wealthy rock star and this and that. And it's like, that's not the reality, you know? Right. Cause I know like the, the bands always owe the record companies money, but how does that work? Do you still get royalty checks too? Or does it, does it all just go straight to the record company until it's paid off? Yeah. I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, uh, our smithereens 11 and smithereens blow up the budgets for those records to record back then was like $350,000 per album. And then like, let's say each album had about four videos, at least 50 grand each. And there was one video we did for a girl like you that was rejected by MTV. And that cost a hundred thousand dollars. So that all has to get paid back before we get a penny. So you think about this, you know, we sure the records went gold and they, you know, we probably sold like 4 million records for capital, but uh, uh, no, we didn't get any of that money because of the cost of everything. And then we also didn't know that every time they took us out to dinner or hired a limousine to pick us up to go to the Jay Leno show and et cetera, et cetera, all that stuff got charged back to us. And um, so, yeah. No, there's the, the money we made was from touring, just from going on the road and um, and busting our asses. And that's still how you'll make money going forward, because and now you get a bigger piece of the pie because you don't have a record company, right? Well, you know, if, if we sell ten thousand copies of this record, that's it's a it's a it's a big hit, <laughs> you know. Being that there's no real record company involved, our 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 manager his record label is putting out this lost album. 
So uh, there's no real middleman per se. And, and we own the masters and we already paid for the recording of it. So, you know, I mean, what are you going to make? You're going to make some grocery money. It, but it's not about that. We have a passion for, for music and it's not about the, the money anymore. We'll, you know, we'll go out and work, you know, mm-hmm. and keep going, keep paying our dues, as they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the shows, I mean, that's going to be do, touring. And then do you, are you going to try to get, I think I saw you guys are, are you doing a, one of the cruises? Cause I think like, that's like the cruises and the festivals seem like they pay really well. Those are kind of good gigs to have. It seemed fun too. Yeah. Yeah. It pays well, but I, but I got to be on a boat for seven days. <laughs> you know? So if, if, if you work it out like that, no, we're not getting paid as much as we would for, a standalone gig if we did seven gigs in a row or whatever no it doesn't match that but i'm looking at it as a vacation and just a fun time and it's great meeting fans and taking pictures and yeah and all that stuff and them telling us their stories about the first time they saw us and this and that and it's really endearing it's 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 really great do you have a lot of those kinds of stories where people say like like one of the songs changed their lives or, or something like that Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Even before social media, we used to get fan mail uh, letters to P.O. Box and people saying how it uh, they were depressed and uh, how the songs helped them from preventing suicide. You know, I got a few of those letters. So that's pretty, pretty deep, you know, that that and the power of music where it can help people with their personal problems and stuff and how they interpret songs. It's, it's pretty heavy, heavy stuff. Yeah, no, I love, that's why I, th- I say like, that's what your, your gift is to this world is playing the music. So I'm glad you're doing it again. I, I like this new album. It's good stuff. Like I said, it's very nostalgic. Um, yeah, I think we talked about most of the songs. Oh, you know what I thought was kind of a fun song on the new album was uh, the monkey man. Tell me about that one. Cause I love that guitar riff. That seems like it'd be a fun riff to play. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a Rolling Stones kind of riff. It, it, to me, it was sounded like something Keith, Keith Richards would have done. I don't know. Pat and uh, and Mike Hamilton, uh, our uh, our sound man at the time, were most involved with that one, writing the lyrics to that. It was about rolling with the punches, you know, kind of kind of like at that time, you know, we were dropped by the label, and you know, it's it's a phrase that we use it's like you got to roll with the punches you know suck it up cupcake (laughs) kind of the same thing you know Mm -hmm. and then and then don't bring me down that one stop bringing me down sorry yeah that's a heavy uh, riff it's almost like a black sabbath kind of thing yeah pat was really into black sabbath and you know that was back then i was contemplating getting a job so the song is about you know uh, a musician that's down and out and having to get a, a job stock in the shelves and your boss, you know, telling you, Hey, stop fucking around and, and load the shelves, you know? And then at the end of the song, it's like, you know, someday I'll be back and better than ever. So it was kind of uplifting for us to write about stuff like that. Absolutely. Well, yeah, people can check out when does the, when does this full, full album drop today or yesterday today? Oh, today. Okay today all right yeah. well there we go so it should be out now the whole album's out great yeah because i listened to it and it's, it sounds great um and then i always end each episode with it, promoting a charity is there a charity you want to promote here at the end 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I started a memorial fund for, in my wife's name, it's the Betty Babjack Memorial Fund. It's on my website, jimbabjack.com. And it, it provides scholarships every year to um, uh, kids going to Rutgers University, because that's where my wife, my, my late wife went to school and two of my kids went to school there. And uh, yeah, it's a scholarship okay. fund. I started it, I it. Uh, after she passed away and um, they could find that information on, on my website. Yeah, I'll put your website and I'll put that uh, link in the show notes and then people can uh, check out the new album. It's on, I'm sure it's on all the streaming platforms. Can they get, can people order a physical copy like a CD or vinyl? Yeah, we're not going to get it on our site for a while because uh, right now it's on Amazon and, and some other sites. Hmm. And I heard uh, Amazon's been telling people that they're not going to get it till October or something, but I think that's hmm. wrong. Okay. I think their algorithms or something because they did sell a, a lot of them, a pre-order, uh, but it's going to be replenished very soon. So yeah, I, I guess the best bet would be Amazon right now. And, and who else? Uh, Walmart.com or some, something like that. Okay. And I think even tower records might, and then your local record shops, I think little, you know, local independent record shops, will probably carry it. Very cool. Very cool. Well, yeah. I look forward to, uh, even more new music. And, uh, if I can, I'll try to come see that show. I think it's at the marquee, but I know you guys are doing, uh, shows. You have dates so people can check the website for current dates on that as well. And, yeah. uh, okay. Thank you so much, Jim. Anything else? Uh, well, we are, we, we got the rights back to our, uh, Christmas album. Oh, seven. And we're reissuing that on vinyl. I just got it in. Uh, it's on green vinyl. It's really cool. And I'm releasing a, a Christmas 45 on vinyl called It's Love on Christmas Day. And uh, and that's something I recorded back in 1995. <laughs> and I'm just putting it out now because okay. of, you know, life getting in the way. But there's sure. a lot of material we're going to put out now. Okay. Well, I'm excited to look forward to more of that. And I'm sure all your fans do as well. Yeah. Okay, thanks so much. All right, thanks for the time and okay. uh, everything. Thanks. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Thanks again to Jim Babjack from The Smithereens. The latest album is called The Lost Album. It sounds like there will be uh, more new music from The Smithereens and Jim, so make sure to follow the band on social media, stay up to date. And if you want to support my sh little show here, that's a great way to do it. Follow us on social media. Your likes, shares, comments, all that stuff really help us out and helps grow the show so that we can get great guests like Jim and some other exciting guests that we have lined up that I don't want to spoil yet. And also make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you'll be up to date with future episodes. Thank you so much. Have a great day and shoot for the moon.